Hello and welcome back to Season 4 of How Good Is That? This is Episode 8. We're talking about American Horror Story Apocalypse. I'm J-Rod. I'm Jessica. And this season is the long-awaited crossover season between Murder House, that was Season 1, and Coven of Season 3. And it lives up to a lot of the hype that was leading into it, I think. I really love this season. It's... Definitely one of my favorites. There's so much action, and it also has a crossover with Hotel. Yeah, it's also a Hotel crossover. There's so much. They touch on a lot of stuff. It's very intense, to say the least. So, I'm just going to go ahead and get right into it. So, it says uh, set in the near future. It could be 2019 or 2020. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, one of the two. Um, The Antichrist, uh, Michael Langdon who is the kid at the end of Murder House, uh, but now he's played by Cody Fern, Yes, brings about the apocalypse by instigating nuclear warfare. The chosen survivors of the aftermath, they say chosen, but some of them kind of lucked into it. Eris Coco St. Pierre Vanderbilt, played by Leslie Grossman. Her personal assistant Mallory, played by Billy Lord. Hairstylist Mr. Gallant, played by Evan Peters. His grandmother, Evie, played by Joan Collins. Talk show host, Dinah Stevens, played by Adina Porter. Her son, Andre, played by Jeffrey Bauer Chapman. Two young adults, Timothy Campbell, played by Kyle Allen. And Emily, played by Ash Santos. Among others, take refuge in a fallout shelter Among named... others, like, <laughs> what is it, like, Marianne and the Professor. Yeah, and the rest. There's only, like, two more people. Yep. That's so fucked. I hate when she Yeah, aside from, like, the other greys who are, like, the servant no, people. No, and... They're Stu. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They Stu. They just didn't say But there's Stu. still other people, pretty much. So it's like... Yeah. We're gonna name almost everyone. And then... <laughs> Damn, look at the... Yeah, okay. among others. Uh, uh, take refuge in a fallout shelter named Outpost 3. Run with an iron fist by Wilhelmina Venable, played by Sarah Paulson. And Miriam Mead. Played by Kathy Bates. Does it say who plays the fist? What's Along with the fist, What's played by name? Erica Irvin. Erica, okay. I couldn't remember her name. I like yep. her. A brutish and tall female guard. Which is Amazon Eve from Freak Show. Yep. So it's nice to see her back. Flashbacks to three years prior to the Outpost 3, or the Outpost 3 events, was, and it shows it was an all-boys warlock school, led by John Henry Moore, played by Cheyenne Jackson. It doesn't mention all of the other people that it was led by. Like Billy Porter. Who plays Behold. Yes. And B.D. Wong. B.D. Wong in this season is amazing. And he plays Baldwin. Baldwin Pennypacker. Yeah, the names are so good. I love it. And then Ariel something. Yes, Ariel, who is played by... I will get the name shortly. Oh my god, where is it? (laughs) John John Briones. John John? John John. Oh. So. Little John John, he always tells the truth. Okay, Vampire Weekend. (laughs) Um, So, all of them run the school, not just Cheyenne Jackson's character. And they unknowingly harbor the Antichrist in hopes that he would rise to become the first ever male supreme. The Witches' Council of Cordelia Good again played by Paulson, Zoe Benson, played by Taysa Formiga, 
and the resurrected Myrtle Snow, played by Francis Conroy, yes. are summoned and quickly discover how dangerous Michael is to their coven when faced with his evident powers as he resurrects deceased witches Queenie, played by Gabourey Sidibe. I'm so glad Queenie's in this. Madison Montgomery, played by Emma Roberts. Meh. And Misty Day, play like, bleh, played by Lily Rabe. Yes, I love it. The Coven, with the aid of the Warlocks, attempt to save humanity by discovering new witch Mallory's intense powers, leaning, er, learning more about Michael's mysterious origins, in particular from Michael's grandmother, played by Constance Langdon. Damn. Played by Constance Langdon, Jessica Lang. Yes. And how to defeat him to prevent the apocalypse that already happened. Like the casting... Because I know they're bringing out, like, bringing back a lot of characters, but there's also, like, new characters mixed in the season, and, like, everyone does such a brilliant job. It's so, like, I think I say this on every episode, but this season is just filled with not only really talented actors, but they, they all, not all of them, but a couple have, like, multiple characters to play this season. Yep, Evan and they plays do four it people. so well. They nail it, and it's just... It's great. You reunite with old characters, and then, like, you get to meet the new characters, and I think everyone does such a wonderful job. Yeah, it's really well done. And this is Cody Fern and Billy Porter's first season, right? Yes. Um... And B.D. Wong. <laughs> There's a lot of good first season people, like, it's just such a nice addition to the, like, ensemble. Yeah, it's very, very awesome. Um, I think... Yeah, I think those are the three or four. I'm not sure how many people you just named. Like the bigger. I named three, but there's, yeah. I'm sure there's more. The bigger names that made those their first appearance. Those are the ones appearance. that like are standouts I mean, for me. Joan Collins also. Yeah. Kind of, it's a big name, not necessarily a big role that she. Well, she played two different roles. Yeah. But it was still kind of like she's here. All yeah, right. definitely. Like, and the, then like yeah. I feel like for a while people didn't know if like. Jessica Lang and uh, Angela Bassett were confirmed because they were both like, we're not doing anymore. Like, yeah. we're moving on. And then, boom, they show up and it's fucking fantastic as you think it's going to be. And, yeah. It's just how they did it. I think a lot of it was really well done. Like, there's definitely some things that are just like, okay. um, No, not even some things. A lot of things. <laughs> there's a lot of weird, freaky shit that happens this season. Yeah. it's um, It's very... It's out there, to say the least. So we can kind of get into some of the finer points. It's hard to say who you'd want to follow. Um, I mean, in the beginning, it's like, I guess, Coco. Yeah, it's it's Coco and but Mallory. Then you, yeah, I was going to say, then Mallory, which Billy Lord is so good as. And, I mean, Michael. Yeah, Michael's definitely a huge following. I would say almost, you for, get the, for me, it was Michael that was like, the person I was most interested in their storyline. Yeah, and you discover literally everything about him throughout the episode or episodes. Yeah, it's called a season when it's multiple episodes <laughs> joined together. But all the episodes that they played in order. Yeah, and there's a lot of back and forth. I mean, what in the first three episodes? I think it's all within. Maybe. Yes, the first three episodes uh, are almost entirely in Outpost Three. Uh, including the 18-month time jump that they're just like, oh, we're going to be fine. I don't even know that, like, I could have watched a whole season in the outpost. Like, if, I, if it wouldn't have, 
Like if it wouldn't have added all these other layers to it, I don't know if that I could have done that because not that I didn't like the first couple episodes and the whole bunker thing is like definitely like interesting. Um, but I feel like I would have really gotten bored after. Yeah, for sure. So, and like, especially like just those same characters, like I'm really glad that there's so many layers to this season yeah. and I'm not really big on apocalypse or like Armageddon things. Like the actual... like, I mean, like there's some things that are interesting but like there's so many like people or people movies and tv shows and all that that keep kind of doing it Mm -hmm. but i really was sucked into this i mean obviously because it's american horror story and ryan murphy but i feel like they did it in such a unique way and they kept it connected with other seasons so it's like you were already kind of drawn in yeah absolutely um but i think we can cover the first three episodes kind of all as one chunk yeah so like, the season starts with the actual apocalypse happening, and there's newscasts, and a text alert goes out to everyone saying the missiles have launched, and they're like, oh, it's just like the thing that happened in Hawaii, where it's a drill, but they didn't put that it's a drill. And it was not a drill. Yeah. So. Like, there's mass hysteria, exploded. and, like, they show it from different people's point of view, and it gets pretty freaking crazy really quick. Yeah. Like, it, it gets awful. Um, but pretty quickly, uh, we shuffle all of the characters that we mentioned into Outpost 3. Um, and we get an idea of Venable's style of running things, which is uh, the greys are the servants, the purples are the VIPs, and her and Mead and the Fist, and I think a couple other characters are in black, and they're just like... The leaders, essentially. The administration of the place. Yeah, that's a good word for that. Uh, So, it's pretty clear uh, early on that supplies are somewhat limited. They have enough of the food cubes that they've brought for 18 months. Which do not look that appetizing. No, they look like... They look like soap. Oh, it looks so bad. But not delicious food. (laughs) It looks like a Lush product, absolutely. No, I don't even think Lush would put that out. (laughs) Is there an off-brand Lush that you'd like to dunk uh, to dunk on? Like, oh, it looks like that. No, I was going to say everyone else, but I don't want to be dissing anyone, so I'll just let it be. Everyone who's not Lush, take that. I mean, ever, there's... Never mind. <laughs> All right, that's fair. What are they, if they... Come on, everyone who's not Lush, at us. I dare you. No, I'm not dissing anyone. All right, fine. I did want to just mention, um, I really like the opening credits for this season. Like, the scenery, the song, it's pretty, like, close to the Murder House one, and yeah, I really like how it sounds, but, like, the imagery is just so, like, there's snakes and there's fire, and uh, Jared noticed when we were recently rewatching like, um, that things go reverse in there, which is kind of like a foreshadowing to the season, so I kind of... That was a good catch. I think yeah, that's like, really cool. Yeah, uh, like candles getting relit after being blown out, so it's just played in reverse. Yeah. I definitely really like it. Yeah, because um, I'll just kind of skip ahead with a spoiler alert. Uh, there's time travel involved, which is always fun and confusing. Yeah, we definitely should have said spoiler alert in the beginning, just in case, because like, a lot of people haven't seen this season. It's I know. It's kind of weird. We have said it a lot, so. Did we? In the whole series. This oh. whole series Yeah, but what been... if somebody was just like, oh, I'm going to pick this episode. Uh, well, sorry, people. Yeah. That's <laughs> what you get for watching things out of order and listening to things out of order. Hi. Don't be a hater. 
Hater. Um, so, uh, there's an 18-month time jump. Uh, which, and which is bad, because I mentioned that they had about 18 months worth of supplies. So, things are starting to get really bad. And suddenly, there's an alarm going off, and somebody shows up at the outpost. Somebody shows up at the outpost. And it's Michael Langdon, and he's there to do a review. Damn, you just skipped a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> well, it's at the end of episode one. Is it, though? Yeah. When Michael shows up. Yeah, he shows up at the end of episode one. I know, but you like you didn't bring <coughs> up the stew, stew, or the same song for day and night, two weeks. Like, there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens in the first episode. That's true. Yeah, um... That's okay. It's okay, people will just have to watch them. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of gloss over some of the less... I mean, I'm excited about the Michael Langdon stuff too, but damn, babe. (laughs) I mean, I... Like, there's... I'm like, wait, in my notes... Oh, so what was the first song that they were playing? It was the Carpenter song. Oh, the Intergalactic, right? Whatever that song's called by the Carpenters that I actually really like, but I forgot what it was called. Um, interplanetary yeah something like that i really do like that's like well anyway that's played for a while like for two weeks day and night and then towards the end of episode one they change it to the fucking song the morning after or whatever yeah. the hell it's called and i hate that song every almost i think it's every song besides that song is like they're all amazing songs like the soundtrack and this season is spectacular and the morning after that was not, not yeah. my favorite song at all. Ugh. Like, I probably would have fucking snapped if I had to hear that constantly. Like, even just a few times in a row, I would have been crazy. Um, and I heard it for 18 months. Oh, like, I, I just, yeah. I definitely would have snapped in that. Probably in the first couple of months. But um, when I was reading a couple of articles just out of curiosity of what people said about this season, um, there was multiple people who said that the soundtrack and especially the songs played in the outpost were awful and i was like i know they're not talking shit on the carpenters and the fuck then fucking fleetwood mac yeah like what kind of music they probably listen to taylor swift never mind we already know can we dunk on taylor swift oh my god absolutely she's the fucking worst she shouldn't have a music career take that taylor swift (laughs) the worst (laughs) but yeah the stew is still you almost, you almost yeah. missed that, but we'll just, we'll just let it be. Yeah, the stew is stew. Um, if you like animals, ignore the very end of episode one, where there's horses that get killed, and it's yeah. very upsetting. Yeah, well. I'm just, I'm just letting people know as that I would always love to be warned about those kinds of things. Yeah, so. he, he travels from wherever he was to Outpost 3 in a horse-drawn carriage, and the horses aren't in any kind of hazmat suits, so they're just... They're exposed and they're disformed, deformed and disfigured. Um, disformed. And they play one of the songs from Murder House when he shows up, which I was like really happy about. Yeah, as soon as his character shows up, so it lets you know, hey, this is that kid. Somehow, that gets explained. And then Sal. Oh, also, Venable has like these crazy rules. Did you mention about how like people aren't allowed to have sex and I didn't like she has these bizarre rules and like. The way that they dress and everything, it's almost like she wants it to be, like, Victorian times. Or, like, you're not allowed to have yeah. sex. And you're not allowed to, like, you have to be properly dressed and you have to be on time. And 
I mean, so I, that's like, she's definitely in a mindset of Victorian times, I feel. Which is, I mean, the, the outfits are a little drab, but they're still pretty cool to look at. Yeah. Um, And it's kind of like, when did when did she go shopping for that stuff to prep it? Like, how did she know their sizes? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I think about weird stuff like that, and I'm just like, No, mm. that makes sense. Like, how did she know that she was going to... Especially all the people that showed up without being on the schedule. Because all the... Well, almost all of them weren't. The Vanderbilt family was supposed to go, and only Coco went and took her assistant hairdresser and hairdresser's grandmother. And then... Yeah, like, there's people that... We'll get to that, actually. The whole list thing, but... Oh, yeah, the list is weird. Yeah, but then, like, in episode two, there's the whole snake thing. And yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so... There's a lot of snakes this like, season, for sure. Weird stuff is happening. The serpent. Yeah, at <laughs> the whole... At the place. Presumably because the Antichrist is there. They don't know that yet, but... um. Like, out of nowhere, snakes start invading everything. So they're like, ooh, we can eat them. We can make a stew out of snakes instead of stew out of stew. And they are about to serve the stew, and the snakes suddenly come back to life. And everyone's like, ah, we're That's all gonna die. That's pretty cool. It was so weird and crazy to watch. I really liked it. Yeah, it was real good. Um, so uh, Michael's there to kind of... Interview. Interview people to maybe take them to a safer place, safer than the outpost, which is the sanctuary. Um, so he interviews Mr. Gallant first. Gallant. Yeah, Gallant, I think. Mr. Gallant. Yeah, he like, he's just like, oh, I'll go first. Yep. Um, so they talk about how Mr. Gallant hates his grandmother and... They really never reveal his first name, though. It's kind of, like, pretty No, funny. yeah. Like, it's pretty funny. It's kind of weird, but I think funny. they may have said it once, but it was in passing. But I don't know. I can't Damn, remember. Damn, I didn't catch up then. It's yeah. Um, it's revealed that his grandmother is a bitch. Yes. Uh, <laughs> a so bitch bitch. He and Michael, like, sort of hit it off. Like, he's coming on to Michael pretty hard. Uh, later on, the Rubber Man, also from season one, and presumably... In in a in a fashion is like the epitome of the his, the Antichrist's father. Yeah, sort of. It's like a that's what Tate was wearing when he version, yeah. impregnated. So it's funny because it's Tony like Britain's character Evan, Pe- Evan Peters is fucking Evan Peters for some people because they associate Rubber Man with Evan Peters. Yeah, and then Mister Gallant played by Evan Peters. So, like, that kind of always made me, like, laugh a little bit. Because it's just, like, there's probably some people who were just, like, hmm. I'm, like, I almost waited for them to do some fucking freaky shit and have, like, him somehow be Tate. And then his grandma catches him. Because she's nosy. Yep. And then she rats him out. Because she's a bitch. Yeah. Like I said. Absolutely does. Um, So then, because of the no sex rule, they interrogate Mr. Gallant. And they're, like... It was Michael, wasn't it? You you can tell us, and but he he never says it is, but he thinks it is, and then Michael says it's not. Yeah, he comes in and he's just he's like, like, I've never been to your room. He was like, I wouldn't fuck you for the last man on earth, and you almost are. Ooh. Like that was such like. There's so many good lines this season. It's like, real good. I've said that about a few seasons, but this one's probably my favorite. Like, there's just so many good lines. Yeah, so many good quotes. So then, 
Michael sets him free to go question his grandmother why she turned him in and all this stuff. Turns out that she's like, I'll get rid of every one of you if it allows me to make it to the sanctuary. And then Coco, with a good line, is just like, oh, gee, good thing you brought your grandma then. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, fuck, you know. It's pretty, like, there's just, it's so funny. Yep. Uh, so then, a little later on, the rubber man goes back to Mr. Gallant's room. And they're about to start doing stuff again. And he's And like, don't forget, because I took a note for this. Ooh, a note. Right before he sees the rubber man again, Gold Dust Woman comes on. They changed the song. Yes. But it was Time in a Bottle. And then it was Goldust Woman. Yeah. Because I'm going to tell everyone the soundtrack, apparently, this whole episode. I feel like that was the majority of but the notes you took there's for the good first three songs episodes. in this season, and I have to represent. Always, yeah. Represent classic rock. <laughs> Absolutely. But yes. Yeah, so they... My words. There are words here. Uh, the rubber man leads him to a room. Yeah, so well, I think it's still um, Mr. Gallant's room again. Oh, is that? I can't tell very dungeony and dark like i said victorian times everything's real dim and yeah the rooms i can't are, really tell the rooms apart they're very nondescript yeah um what do you want for a bunker i get it but <laughs> yeah so they are about to start doing stuff and he's like you wouldn't fuck me if i was the last man on earth and he says that and he grabs a pair of scissors and starts stabbing the shit out of the rubber man because again he thinks it's michael and then it, Cuts to a different angle and you see Michael in the doorway looking like, what you doing? And then you cut back to the bed and it is Mr. Gallant's grandmother, Evie. He stabbed her to fucking death. Yeah. So, <laughs> so she's like, oh dead. shit, what did I do? It's pretty crazy. Um, And then the other kind of big story point was uh, Timothy and Emily. Oh yeah, they get caught. The boring children. Uh, breaking into... They're not children. Eh. They're both, like, 18. It, yeah, the one kid, uh, Timothy, just got accepted to UCLA before the apocalypse, so he's, like, just out of high school. And she was, um, she got arrested for protesting at college campus, she said, I think. Yep. So, so they're, they're both definitely 18, at least. Yeah. Um, but, and, like, so, in this, this scene is crazy, because they get caught, like, apparently, I put air quotes around caught, because they're in bed, and they're definitely both in their underwear, but, like, how does Mrs. Mead know that they were fucking? Yeah. Like, you know, just to assume, should they grab them out of bed? And Venable well, is not happy. Yeah, I was also going to say, um, they broke into Michael Langdon's room, and he had a working computer yeah. that had working email. Yep. Even though it's 18 months after everything went down. And it was about how Miss Venable was making up the rules, and it wasn't from the top. So they were like, well, then screw her. We're yeah. going to have sex now. They were sneaking around anyway, but yeah, like, um, it's definitely... So they are about to be executed. And Miss Venable in this scene, I took a note, she looks, she's given off evil stepmother vibes from Cinderella. Oh, yeah. Like, with that outfit and the hair, like, I love that. I don't know if it was intentional, but I do love that. Yep, it absolutely does feel like that. But yeah, like, they're just like, your rules are bullshit. Yep. Uh, but they're still about to get killed, and Timothy fights back, grabs the gun that they're about to get shot with. He shoots Mead, and she is revealed to have, like, a white, milky blood it's and disgusting. wires. Because so she is uh, one of those robots. Yes. It's... I definitely remember watching, like, for the first time when it was airing, like, thinking, what the actual fuck? <laughs> what yeah, the I fuck? And I don't know a lot no about idea. robots, so I was just like, wait, what? And then I was like, oh, there's wiring. 
okay. Like, yeah, it was very strange. It was, yeah, it was definitely a nice add to everything. Um, side note, um, when there was a point where me and the rest of the guys of Superliminal and a few of our other friends played D and D and other games like that mm-hmm. for a while. There was one campaign that Paul was running where at a point people were getting replaced by robots and you didn't know if you were a robot or not. And I had been replaced by a robot and I discovered that my blood was white and milky. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then I found my own body and I was like, oh, I am not me. That sounds like a fun campaign. It was insane. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, coming back to actual... What we're here for. I wish I had blood glitter. You basically do. And also weird. That'd be really cool. We're talking about random, like, blood-like things. I was just figuring out add in some fun there. Sorry. It's fun. You got to talk about a fun story, so I got to talk about a fun wish. Alright, fun wish. So then we get to the next episode, and it's like nothing I really like episode three. It's so weird, though. Because... It starts off with, like, the kid, Timothy, in with Michael being like, you're the reason we're not dead. Thank yes, you. Thank He's like, you. I didn't actually do anything. It's just whatever. And the, but there's not a lot of back and forth with, like, him and all the char- characters that he's interviewing. So yep. I really like how they did that. Yeah, they cut back and forth into in him interviewing the rest of the people. Um, and towards the end is Mallory's turn, and... He reveals his kind of true face, which is this creepy, demonic face. It's so spooky. And she basically lights the room on fire. Him, like, so I really like Billy Lord and Cody Fern, but, like, him as Michael and her as Mally, like, their scenes together are really, really well done. Like, they have a beautiful chemistry and, like, it's, I don't know, like, they have these intense scenes and they just do it so well. They execute it so, I don't know, wonderfully. Yeah, that, it's so well done. Yeah. And, like, I just love that scene, and I'm kind of glad, because you actually get to see that scene kind of again later on. Yep, they showed episodes. it. Yeah. And I was really happy about that, because I'm not usually the biggest fan of that kind of thing, but it's such a powerful scene. And there's a lot of fire, and it's just really intense. Absolutely. Um, and, like, at this point, I'm, like, in my head watch, I'm, like, again, when it was, like, airing, and I was, like... That would be really cool because I knew at this point like it was going to be somehow a tie-in with Coven and stuff. Um, so I was like, oh, maybe like Mallory's a witch. Like that would be really cool. Like she's really powerful. There's definitely something going on. And then when that scene happened and she did the thing with the fire, I remember going, yes, like she won a fucking award or something because I like jumped up and I was like, yes, because I was just so happy about that because I was like, she's definitely like. Yeah. So again, uh, spoilers for the rest of the season. You almost immediately called that she was the next Supreme. Oh my god, yeah. Like, you were there was, so on top There were so many like, people no writing articles about, oh, I think it's this and this and this, and I think what, like, episode two. Definitely episode three, like, no, when the fire like, thing Right was. after she revealed her power, I think maybe even before she did that, you were just like, I think she's a witch. And then she did the thing with the fire, and you're like, she's gonna be the next Supreme. Yeah. I was like, okay. And I was really happy that I was right. <laughs> it was nuts. <laughs> like, uh, I'm really happy about it. It was, I just, I really like the character Mallory. Like, oh yeah, she, she, so she's good. a healer and like, a, she can bring things to life and she can fix things and it's just, she's very powerful and it's really, I, I think well written and well acted. Yeah. So there is a point at which 
another horse and cart show up, but this time instead of a person, it's a crate of apples. And at this point, Venable's pretty convinced that she's not going to get taken to the sanctuary, and Mead is a robot and very confused and scared. So they decide. I like how they show like a little bit of her memories. Yeah. In that episode, it was really cool. Yeah, it was very well done. She's like, "How do I have these memories?" But I'm a robot. But like, I don't know. I really like how they did that. Like, it was kind of random, but pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, Mead's pissed off because she's like, "What? You should. You're like the leader. You should. You should be one of the people that's going first. Like, so she's like, "Let's just kill everyone." Yep. Let's kill Michael. Let's kill everyone. Why not? We'll yeah. go to the sanctuary. We'll steal the information. Yeah. So when they get the apples, they're like, okay, we'll give everyone an apple. But hey, we have all of these snakes that we're going to extract the venom from. And that was pretty cool, the too. apples. Yeah. So in addition to that craziness, uh, Billy Eichner plays Brock, who is yes. Coco's boyfriend before the apocalypse. She has to leave him behind, and he's not happy. He's he, fucking pissed. He is able to track... He, like, he follows the cart and catches on to the bottom of it, and... After he kills a bunch of scavengers. Yeah. He is able to get there and infiltrate, because he kills uh, the fist outside and steals her key card. So he's also there. So they're poisoning the apples, and they have a, a masquerade party. Yeah, Venable's like, you know they, what? You guys deserve a treat. Yeah, it's Halloween. Bob for apples. Yeah, like she's like she's making it think like making them think that they're getting this like treat of a Halloween party, but yeah. really they're just trying to kill everyone. Yep. So uh, everyone except for Coco and the fist who's dead outside eats the apples. And and can we just real talk? Explodes. We just gotta talk about. Coco's hair for a minute though. It was a birdcage. Because that was pretty crazy. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure that took forever for them to actually do that. It looked insane. I mean, Mallory's hair is fucking insane in the couple episodes when she yeah. has that tall ass bun, which um I follow Billy Lord on Instagram and she used to call it um her hair dick. Cause it was just so randomly tall and like, I don't know, but it's it was funny. very phallic. So yeah. yeah. Um but like there's that scene where uh, Mr. Gallon's doing her hair. And Mallory's like, guys, I think I have powers. And they make fun of her. And I'm just like, y'all motherfuckers don't want to make fun of her. Like, um, Yeah, it's very, very And then funny. she tries to like do something with the fire there. And she doesn't. So, um, But yeah, so they make fun of her. Which is kind of shitty. But it makes sense for them too. But um, yeah. They put, the, they put some music on. And the masquerade starts. And they bob for their apples. And like you said, Coco's gone. Yep, Coco, the fist is gone. Yeah, Coco's uh, taken away by who she thinks is Michael to tell her that she's going to the sanctuary, but instead it's Brock and he stabs her in the head. It is such a good kill. It's so satisfying. Coco's so good. annoying. And we later find out, like, I mean, she's kind of annoying anyway, but, like, we kind of find out who she's based on. So it's kind of like, oh, that makes sense. Yep. Oh, and before I forget, because I always do it, um, the nine circles of hell that Ryan Murphy posted, um... So, Lust and Violence are the only two that don't have anything next to it. I don't necessarily know if there's an updated list, but I don't have it in front of me. But I, out of those two, I feel like Violence is the most fitting for Apocalypse. Yeah. And seeing 1984, I feel like Lust fits for that. So... Absolutely. I'm just going to go ahead and assume that Apocalypse is Violence, because this is 
this was probably one of the most violent seasons. I mean, it there's is a lot the apocalypse. Of, yeah, there's a lot of gore. There's a lot of blood. Like, but just because, like... A lot of death. Yeah. Exactly. Not just because death. Yeah. I don't know why I said that. Just because death. Just because death. But yeah, I just wanted to bring that up real quick. Yeah, of um, course. So, yeah, the end of the episode is... Everyone's dead. And the music changes again to... The Rolling Stones, she's like a rainbow. She's a rainbow, yeah. She's a rainbow. She's like a rainbow, so she's a Oh, rainbow. and like, when they get the poison and everyone's throwing up, oh my <sighs> god, I couldn't look. Like, the gross factor is a 12 in that scene. It's fucking disgusting, yeah. like. And actually, before uh, the, the song changes, it was something else. <laughs> um, Mead and Venable go and confront Michael to kill him. And he just like he just looks at Mead, and suddenly she turns and shoots Venable, and she's like, "I don't know why I did that." Oh, and also it was when I realized that Mallory reminds me of Osmandius from Colt. Yes, the big she old glasses. So much like him with the blonde hair and the glasses, and that scene. Like I just there's a note here, and I had to bring that up. It's um, pretty funny. But yeah, so then like Mead starts remembering a little bit. Yeah, he tells her he's like, you know, I built you because you are. You were the only person who really cared about me, and I lost you, and I was not going to live without you, so I made you again as a robot. And... Ribbit, ribbit. Ribbit, robot. Um, yeah, so they have, like, their little reminiscing scene, and... Yep, and then we cut back to... She's the, a rainbow um, when the fucking witches come, and yep. it's super duper awesome. Yeah, the witches come with so cool. Myrtle, uh, Madison, and Cordelia all show up. And they're like, get our sisters. And they bring Mallory, Coco, and Dinah Stevens, uh, who are all witches. And yeah, uh, Dinah Stevens is actually the like the queen of the voodoo tribe. And Coco and Mallory are just part of the coven. Um, Which I was really excited for. I got in with Mallory. And then Coco, I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, she just died. Why? Yeah, Why? Very, very shocked to have that <laughs> So happen. random. So, they come to, and I, it's at the beginning of the next episode, is where they start to have the showdown with Michael, and it then cuts to almost the rest of the season being a flashback, which is so weird, because they show the scene where they're all like, alright, we're all gonna fight you now. And then it goes to the big the the credits at the beginning of the episode, and then it cuts back to three years before the bomb or something like that. Yeah, because then it's when um, behold and everyone's at the boys' school, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's all the meeting, the meeting with the warlocks. So basically, until the end of episode ten, that's it for the outpost. Yeah. So we'll Which again was it. kind of a relief anyway. We needed definitely a breakup or something there. Yep. Um But yeah, so they're meeting at the Warlock School and they find out about this young man with powers, which ends up being Michael. Mm-hmm. And so the leader goes, leader I guess at this point, I'm saying leader, but one of Yeah, Ariel is like the highest ranking yeah. of the the Warlocks. They're they only have four levels, but there's no like, level four. It's I honestly, lower. I wanted to get more into that, but like, because I kind of felt like 
Ariel was going to be like a bad guy. I really didn't get into his story. So I really was like, I don't know what he actually is. Sorry. That's okay. Um, but yeah, he goes to claim Michael from what? Jail or something? Yeah, he goes to go talk to him in jail. And he just walks him out. So his powers first manifest when Miss Mead is being like annoyed by, really, a butcher who won't sell her a goat's head. And she's like, I'm going to go speak to your manager. And he's like, okay. And Michael freaks out at him. He's like, well, fuck you. And Michael kills him with a bunch of knives telekinetically. Yeah. It's pretty cool, the scene. Yeah, so. But you do feel bad for Michael. So the academy takes him in, or the boys' school. They take uh, Michael in, give him a couple tests. He's able to pass everything, and they're just like, He is so powerful, he could be the prophesized Alpha, which is the first male supreme. Yeah. So they demand an audience with the Witches Council, who at that point is Myrtle, uh, Zoe, and Cordelia. And they try to tell him to, you know, you can't do these things. Um, And they bring up how... You know, she's not a good Supreme because she wasn't even able to save one of her own in Queenie. And then we get the tie-in to Hotel, which is Queenie and Mr. March playing... I think they're playing Hearts or Spades. I don't actually know how to play either of those games. Are they playing, oh, I don't even remember if they were playing cards or like checkers or something. Yeah, it was, all, it was all card games. Either way, I'm just really excited to see Mr. March again oh, and yeah. Queenie. Like, I was super excited to see her... Yeah. And it's just those two together, their banter. It was so, <laughs> so good. good. <laughs> um, so they're just playing a game of cards, and Cordelia shows up, tries to get her out, but the Hotel Cortez, much like the house in Murder House and other things, which are purgatory, she's unable to leave. Yeah, um, like Cordelia keeps trying, and. Queenie they, just doesn't yeah, they get to say, walk out. They try every door and window. Yeah, it's, like, it's nope. pretty sad. So. And as Cordelia is telling that, then it like pans to Michael scratching the Hotel Cortez. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. So. In an attempt to show that he is powerful enough, he goes to the Hotel. Yeah, he goes to the Hotel Cortez and is able to walk out with Queenie. And Mr. March knows it. He's like. Go ahead, take his hand. Yeah, that was delightful. You don't have a choice. Uh, and my favorite line of his in this episode is, as she's walking out the door, he just grabs the cards and is like, solitaire it is. Yeah. <laughs> and then she does actually get to leave. Then they go to the personal hell of Madison, which is her being stuck working in a department store despite her being an actress. And no one recognizes her. They think she's some other actress. They call she her Lindsay so Lohan. Yeah, and it's, it's uh, really good. She deserves so good. it. Um, and then her and Queenie, like their banter in that scene is so good because they're both so sassy with each other. I love that. Yeah. Like they get it like, oh, because... I, I don't really like Madison. She's annoying, but like she gets so fucking excited to see Queenie. She runs over and hugs her, and it's actually like it's really sweet. Yeah, she's but like, then they're both real sassy yeah. with each other, and it's like immediately it's really good. <laughs> yeah. So Michael takes them back to the boys' school, and Cordelia's just like, "Holy fuck!" passes out. Yep, and that's pretty much how the episode ends. Yeah. Like, Queenie runs over to help, and Myrtle and Zoe are, like, trying to help, and Madison's like, oh, God. She's like, oh, jeez, what yeah. happened to her? 
Because I don't, I don't think at that point, unless she was updated on it, she would have known that Cordelia was the Supreme. Maybe oh, she would have. Know. Yeah, I don't know. Because I'm not sure if she died before Cordelia officially rose to full power. I think she did. Yeah. Right, right before. Hard to say. Yeah, I think she did right before. Go back and watch that and then watch this and tell us. <laughs> um, but then us. episode five, it starts with Cordelia and she's having a nightmare. And she's outside of, like, the a crumbled version of the Miss Robichaux's Academy. Yep. And it's, like, desolate and dusty. And there's, like, these creature zombie things. And they come at her and they start eating her. Yeah. Which is oh. super gory and pretty delightful, though. <laughs> um, and then she sees, like, a distorted demon-like version of, like, vaguely Michael. Yeah. And then she wakes up and is, like, freaking out. And Myrtle's like, you're safe now. And then... She hugs Queenie and Madison because she's like, oh my god, you're actually here. Like, holy shit. Yeah, it was so good. Yeah, it was a nice little... Um, And it was funny because Myrtle was like, yeah, you were screaming and um, you were screaming for everyone. Queenie too. And then, yeah, Madison was like, yeah, not me though. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're you're just here. Yep. So they, you know, so they go to Michael and say, all right, you know what? In two weeks time, you will take the Seven Wonders. At the Blood Moon. At, yeah, at the Blood Moon. Everyone loves the Blood Moon. And the Seven Wonders. Um, So Myrtle's freaking out about that. She's like, why? Why would you do this? Yeah, like no male has ever made an attempt. Um, it would change everything. So yeah, she's pretty pissed. But yeah, Cordelia's just like, I think it's actually happening though, because I'm starting to fade. Like what happened to her mother in season three. Yeah, and then Myrtle's just like, well, Mallory's pretty powerful too. Like, I feel like Cordelia got so caught up with Michael that she was kind of overlooking Mallory. Yep. Because at this point, Mallory's done, like, six or seven pretty fucking incredible things. Yeah, like, a couple things. The that... one scene where they, um, they change the roses. Yeah. I really love that because she changes the rose from white to blue. Then the blue petals come off, turn into butterflies. Then the butterflies fall back into blue petals and then they're white again. Like, it's so fucking beautifully done. I yeah. loved that so much. But she's, like, healing all these animals, bringing stuff back to life. And Cordelia's like, I'm weak. It's probably Michael. Like, come on. Yeah. She's right there. <laughs> so the next note it has here. Um, John... And that's when Cordelia meets Coco. Yes. That's when Coco shows up and it's like, hey, I can. I'm a gluten detector. I can tell when there's gluten in things. And then we learn her pretty annoying story about how she's rich and she takes money from which rich white ladies to help them with their diet. And figure out what's gluten and what's not. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a, it's as annoying as it sounds. It's skippable. It wasn't even in the review of this episode. Yeah, but I had to just because of how annoying it was. I had oh, yeah. to bring that up. Be warned, she's um, annoying. But yeah, so the warlocks are preparing Michael for the Seven Wonders. They're performing a protection spell, and John Henry makes an eye, uh, eye contact with Michael, and his eyes turn like black, and his face like is d- demonic real quick. So now, like, John Henry's like, fuck this. And he yeah. starts packing. And uh, Behold comes in. And he's like, wait, why are you leaving? So they start arguing. And that shit gets intense. Yeah. So John Henry's like, I'm going to go visit Cordelia in New Orleans. And then he, he's seen filling up his car. And then Miss Mead shows up. And you're just like, oh, shit. Yep. He ain't going nowhere. And he does not. <laughs> nope. He goes up in flames. Yes, he does. <laughs> Yeah, she, he does not make his rendezvous with the witches. Excuse me. Mead meets uh, with Michael after that. And then Ariel comes out. And he was like, 
He's like, he was I like, I wasn't gonna let that fool ruin our chance of being supreme because he's like, and you know, he's like, our chance, not your chance, but our chance. Oh, yeah, it's because he knows that he's gonna ride Michael's coattails all the way to the top. And then the Seven Wonders. Ah, I love that they filmed it like a silent movie. It's so beautiful. It was so good. To Every watch. little detail is just. They, like, nail it, honestly. Like, just the black and gray and, like, the little... The like, jaunty music. Yeah, the captioning, how they like, kind of, like, slowly speed things up in a sense, if that makes sense. Like, yep. everything's really cool. Um, So they do the first six, which he passes, and they do all that in, like, the silent film style. Yep. And then you get to the, um, De Shensum. Yeah, I can never pronounce it. It's like, Descentum. No, De Shensum. So... And, um... But then Cordelia's just like, but it's not going to be like usual. I want you to go to Misty's personal hell and retrieve her from me. Yeah, bring her back. So I'm just like, fuck yes, because I miss Misty. She's one of my favorites. So I'm just like, oh, yeah. I'm like, we already know Michael's powerful. So in my head, I'm just like, oh, she's coming back. So I was excited. But then I was like, oh, fuck, we have to see her in her personal hell, which is also horrible for me. Those yep. poor frogs. Um, but those the scene is pretty cool when... um. Michael's, like, descending into it. Yeah. Because then he goes into that, like, fucking freaky, reflective, like, super dark corridor. The hallway thing, yeah. And then there's, like, that really pretty door. And then he stops into, like, that classroom. And I'm just like, oh, God, no, I can't watch this. It's horrible. Yeah, so we don't have to go too far into what happens, but... I mean, yeah, because he dissects the fuck out of that teacher (laughs) and who deserved it every fucking second of it. Because he was such a dick to Misty. Um, and... Those kids start, like, the kids that are in the class that are really also fucking irritating. They start talking to him in, like, a possessed language. I mean, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Yeah, um, that's a little bit later. They kind of, like, show, show it in a broken up way, but it's, it's, I, it it's was still really episode. fucking cool. Like, but then Misty's, like, telling Cordelia, like, um, you yeah. know. He's evil. I don't like it. But, yeah, like, you can see, like, well, he, so he comes back from it. And he's not with Misty. So, like, you know, the, the witches are just like, ha, he can't do it. But then, like, a pile of ash appears. And that's when Misty, like, kind of reforms. Yeah. And Cordelia's like, holy fuck. You know, it like, worked. she realizes. And then she, like, almost faints. And that's when, like, I guess, like, the next scene is when um, Misty's just like, he smelled like death. Like, he had, yeah. the, he had the perfume of death, which is another good line. Yeah, so... I think it is this episode where Misty's like, I, I can't fight. I need to leave. Yeah. And Stevie Nicks. Yeah, she was like, I, I feel like I lost who I was. And then they're eating dinner. And then Stevie Nicks opens the door and walks in and she starts singing Gypsy. And I cry so hard every time I watch the scene. Because <laughs> it's so, like, everything. I'm always like, oh, this scene's beautiful. But it really is beautiful. Like, just... Not even, like, the character of Misty, but Lily Rabin that her and Stevie had such a moment, and everyone got to witness that moment with them, and yeah. I think that's so fucking cool. Um, like, Stevie sings this really, like, intimate version of Gypsy, and you can tell she's pretty much singing it to Lily, but there's a lot of other people in the room, and they're all enjoying it, <laughs> but Misty's definitely enjoying it the most, and then towards the end of the song... Uh, Stevie walks over and grabs Misty's hand and Misty starts doing the Stevie twirl and uh, it's so good. I fucking love it. (laughs) It's just like the ambiance and like the whole aesthetic. It's all wonderful. I love it. You are Misty Day. 
Oh, thank you. I love you. Great compliment. I'll <laughs> I, take it. I know. I knew you would. Um, and then Michael looks on angrily, which I ha- that had to be hard for Cody Fern because he's such a like grateful like he he gushes about working with Jessica Lang and Angela Bassett and Kathy Bates. So I'm sure having to like glare on as Stevie Nicks is singing was probably hard because she's a fucking legend too. So yeah. he's probably like, I just want to smile. I, I just want to be, be down there. I have to be. I have to be the Antichrist to be angry. Uh, towards the end of the episode, they're like, "All right, well, we need to investigate more, so we need to go." Yeah, Cordelia's talking where about it. All began, because this I have notes on this because it's behold. awesome. Because be behold, over here is uh, Cordelia telling Madison like, "We need to f- go find out as much as you can about Michael," and he's like, he comes in the room. He's like, "When do we leave?" If eavesdropping paid money, I'd be richer than Amazon. That line's so funny to me. It's so good. And he delivers it so well. And he's just, he gets to be him sassy, his sassy self, and it's great. And, um, so Cordelia's like, uh, yeah, you can, (laughs) you and Madison can go. And he's like, great. Um, so, like, the episode ends, like, pretty much just, like, showing Murder House, which is a nice little. Yeah, we're going back to where it all began. Yeah. It's a nice little tease of what's to come. Yep. So then, Return to Murder House, which is directed by Sarah Paulson. Oh, that's pretty cool. Didn't um, know. So, I mean, there's a lot that happens in this episode. Of- because this is going to be a, an appreciation episode, apparently, for Billy Porter, for me, <laughs> and Cody Fern. Yeah. Um, the episode opens with Madison and Behold pretending to be a married couple, because they're trying to buy the murder house. And that's, like, pretty much the only way to, like, kind of get the information. Yeah. So, um... In, like, the very beginning, Behold, um, because Madison's complaining like usual, and Behold's like, and I had to put khakis on, so it's been a hard day for all of us. That, like, there's just so much comedy in a season of a show that's about the end of the world. Like, you know what I mean? It's just so, there's so much comic relief and, like, sarcasm and sassiness, and I just fucking love it. Yeah, the quips are so quick here. Yeah. But yeah, like, the realtor is just like, okay, you guys are about to sign this paperwork. It's about to be yours. Just gotta let you know. Like, there's break-ins, vandalizing. Oh, and there's murders. And they're just like, oh, yeah, we know. And he's like, all 36 of them? Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's so funny. There's so many. So, they get the, their paperwork clears and they get the murder house. So they show up and they immediately feel the evil presence, but they're like, nothing's showing up. We need to talk to somebody here. So they cast the spell that reveals all of the people. Yeah, it's really cool. Like, I like how they did it. Uh, they have a quick cameo of the nurse walking by. Uh, one of the nurses. Yep. And, but after that, for the most part, it's just the main people. I think they have the... Like, the twins, I think, shot briefly. Yep. Um, but yeah, they hear Tate, and he's talking with Ben Harmon. So, like, I don't know. As a person who loves Murder House, that was pretty exciting. Because I'm just like, yes. Like, because I don't know how much of it we were going to get. So that was, like, exciting, because I was just like, okay, this is going to be a good episode. Yeah, when they revealed the episode title, and it was just called Return to Murder House. You're like, oh, I think I know what this entire episode's going to yeah, be. Yeah, like, I didn't know if it was just going to be a tease or what, so it was pretty cool. And then, um, so Behold and Madison, they interrupt them, and they're just, like, asking about Michael. And Ben was like, well, what are you going to do, make us more dead? Because, like, Madison starts kind of, like, trying to threaten them. And I thought that was pretty funny. That's um, a real good line. But then Madison's like, well, the coven bought this house, so no one else can buy it ever again. Ben says he has to excuse himself so he can go cry and masturbate while looking out the window. Yeah. Which I thought was just such a random, but like also very Ben Harmon thing to say. Yeah. Very priority. Yeah. 
Um, oh, and then when they um, they keep exploring and then Bo jumps on Madison. That was pretty funny. And, oh, like, my God. The scare jumps, like, with the nurse was, like, they did that music real quick. And then, like, yeah. when Bo does it. I really like how they, like, added those, too. Because that's definitely very Murder House. So. And then Billy Dean Howard shows up. Who yeah. is still alive. So. And she's like, oh, you're Madison Montgomery. I've known quite a few Montgomerys in my day. And I'm like, ah, oh, they made a nod to that. Like, I thought yep. that was pretty cool. So they're like, okay, who are you? And she's like, oh, I'm the medium to the stars. And Madison's like, oh, a sh- like a shitty Miss Cleo. And then Constance comes down the stairs saying, who do you think you are coming in here spewing vulgarities? And Madison's like, we're the new owners. Who are you? And Constance's like, I'm Constance Langdon. And this, this is my fucking house. And I'm just like, yes. Because I was so excited to see Jessica Lang as yeah. Constance. Because when I... There was speculation she was going to be in this season. I didn't know if they were going to somehow do something more with Fiona and Hell, or it was going to be a new thing. So I was really fucking happy it was Constance, because that, that's such a strong character. Oh, yeah. And it's where it all began for Yeah. So, her. I mean, and it makes sense, but, like, I didn't, I really didn't know what they would do. So it was just really cool. And that scene's so good. Just, like, her introduction. Yep. So they're talking in another room at this point. And then Moira, Moira comes in. Yeah. And I was really happy to see that Francis got to do that too, because I really yep. liked Moira in the first season. So Madison asks about Michael. And Constance, I don't remember the exact line, but she's like, she was like, I'll spill the tea, but you need to do something for me first. Yeah. And um, she wants them to remove Moira permanently, because she's just bothered with her. And um, if they get rid of her body, she'll talk to them about Michael. Yep. So they dig up her bones. Now, behold digs. While Madison smokes a cigarette like the bitch that she is. Yeah. And they find his, he finds a skull and it's not Moyers, which I thought was funny because like it was a nice little nod to like the, like not thousands, but all the The, bodies that are buried The dozens. Yeah. She's just like, this isn't her. This is somebody angrier. But then they find her bones and they give them to her and she's beyond grateful. And then he uh, beholds, like, well, where should we bury you? And she wants to be close with her mom. And, of course, I cry again because the scene's so beautiful. Yeah. Because she reunites with her mom. And it's just, it's really, like, it's so touching. And it's such a happy ending for such a tragic character. So. Yep. So then Constance finally spills the beans or the tea or whatever she says. Yeah, the tea. So then Constance goes into all the details about... Michael and how he's not actually as old as he looks, how he aged over, overnight he aged a decade, essentially. Yeah, like, um, she was like, he was so beautiful when he was a baby, and she was born to be a mother, so she was happy to take him in, and then as he got older, like, he would start to kill small animals, and he would leave them as gifts to her, so she ended up, like, like she'd, a cat. yeah, she'd have to keep, well, he started with, like, smaller, like, rodents and stuff. No, I'm saying he was like a cat, because they do that with birds and uh, stuff. Well, he does eventually kill cats, that's why I thought you were talking about that. Um, so she started burying each one, and she'd plant a rosebush, and she goes on with the story, and then she says she thought she would never get tired of the smell of roses, but her backyard was, like, filled pretty oh. much with them, and she just was over it. It was a huge grid. And then he killed the sitter. She was able to convince the police that the sitter, the sitter had killed herself. But that was what you see at the end of season one. Yep. Is that that's the same story. Um, yeah. So that wasn't his first kill. Yeah. And then one night they go to sleep and the next morning she walks in and he, she's like a stranger was in his bed because he aged the jacket overnight. Yep. And she was just like, what the fuck? Like, how did, who is this? What What's happening? And then more into the story, like he wakes her up one night by being on top of her choking her. 
and then he snaps out of it and he's like i'm so sorry which i think cody fern like people said that they didn't like cody fern as the antichrist or michael langdon and i'm sorry i am a fan of him and i'm not being biased when i say this like he does a beautiful because he goes from naive to powerful so like fluid and like he flows and he's just so good with it and him playing naive like I, it, you feel for him. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I feel for a lot of... I have sympathy for all types of characters, good or bad. So I don't know. But I feel like he did such a great job bringing, like, emotion to somebody who plays, like, the fucking end of... Like, the ender of the world, you know? Yeah, like, but when he goes from choking her to being like, I'm sorry. And he starts crying. Can I have a glass of water? Oh my gosh. And she's just... Constance to the end, she's yeah. just like, may I? She corrects his grammar after getting yes. choked out. And she's like, may I? Like, these scenes, Ugh. the scenes with those two. And I read a lot of interviews um, right after that um, aired. And, like, he's just so grateful to have worked with her. And especially Kathy Bates, too. But um, that's, that had to have been so cool to, like, act those scenes yeah. with her. Like, he's working with legends. That's just so cool. There's this article about, like, how he doesn't really look at Michael Langdon as evil like he tried to bring like that innocence to the character and i think he, he really did a beautiful job like i think he nailed it um but yeah so it goes into he kills a priest yeah the which Constance, also gets touched back on later too yeah, she brings in a priest to try to help figure out what's going on and she's like there's evil in him like and someone needs to help and he's just like he was speaking in latin and it hurt my ears like just so innocent it's like oh you feel bad for him and like i feel like anyone going through that like if you were like what how old is he supposed to be at that point 10 maybe younger yeah i think he would have been like seven or eight and then suddenly he was like 18 maybe yeah 18 like, to 20 at that point yeah it's, I mean, he could have been 16 even because Cody looks young, so I don't know. But either way, it's just like, it's insane. So she said that raising him, which she thought was supposed to be this beautiful thing because she loved being a mother to monsters, is what she says. Yeah. Um, it shattered her life. And she was like, I didn't want to wait for him to snap again one night. So she ends up taking her own life, which for a suicide, that was actually like such a nice way to end that character story because she does it on her own terms and she does it in the murder house so she gets to stay with her other three of her four children yeah and like she plays a song she likes she dances and she just overdoses on drugs and alcohol and i feel like that's such a constant slangden way to go out anyway like it's a really beautiful end to her story and then she wakes right up with tate and Bo and her daughter that we never saw in season one yep um, which at first I was like, oh my gosh, cause she's blurry in the background. Like I love the shot cause it's Beau and Tate and like the focus and then behind this girl in this yellow dress with curls and you're just like, oh my gosh, which I miss Adelaide too. It really would have been great. Like that's so gutting. But, um, then a little while later you see that her other daughter has no eyes. Yep. Oh, her other daughter has no eyes. And um, we never find out why. Uh -uh. I love how spooky it is. She looks like a fucking doll. But I I thought it was really cool that we actually at least got a little bit of that now. Because I always was wondering, like, who's the fourth kid that she was always talking about? Yeah. Um, But it was really, like, it it really was. Um, So, of course, (laughs) Cody. So, of course, Michael, 
when he finds out that she's dead, he, like, freaks out. You know, what's he going to do? Yeah. Um. So then Ben appears. And he's like, well, she doesn't want to see you. So she's not going to reveal herself to you. Yep. And then they get cr- close. Ben Harmon and Michael get close. And Ben tries, yeah. He tries to be the father that he was going to be until he was murdered at the end of Murder House. Yep. So, and then they reveal how evil Michael actually is. Because Michael kills the newest residents. And then after the, the new people wake up as ghosts... He burns their souls entirely. Like erasing, erasing them. them. Yeah. From existence. Yeah. It's crazy. And Ben's like, I can't help you. And right before that, um, Tate walks in his room and finds Michael in there going through his stuff. And yep. Michael's like, I just want to get to know you and be like you. And he saw the rubber suit. Yeah. And Tate's like, not even I could create something as monstrous as you. And Michael was crushed. So it kind of like made him turn to the dark that was in him even more. Yeah. Um... But when, so Ben's telling that story and then Vivian walks in and uh, Vivian and Ben make up in front of Beholden Madison. And then she's like, Ben, why don't you go just go see our dead baby? (laughs) Go hang out with the baby you haven't seen in a while. Yeah. And then she starts telling them like, he's not just evil. And then she quotes the Bible, I think. I think there's some antichrist. I don't know. Yeah. They talk about revelations. Yeah. I don't know. The last book of the Bible. Oh, okay. Um, but she was like, it's always hot when he was near, and there's always a murder of crows circling the house. And just even, like, carrying him in pregnancy was painful, birthing him was pre- painful, being near him was painful. And that's when one night Anton LaVey shows up, which is, his title's the Black Pope of the Church of Satan. Yep. And he shows up with Mrs. Mead, and I don't know her name in this, but it's the lady who plays Pepper. Uh, well, yeah, Naomi Grossman. Uh, I think it's just some generic... I can't think of it. ...name. But they're like his... Samantha Crow. Oh, okay. Oh, Crow. How how funny is that? That's uh, pretty funny. Um. So they show up, and they're like, Oh, Michael, you're the Dark Lord. Like, we say, like you're our savior. Um, and that changes, like, everything even more. So then one night is the Black Mass, where Mead kidnaps this girl... And um, Mead, Samantha, and Anton sacrifice her and rip her heart out. And that shit is gory as fuck. Yeah. Like, that was an intense-ass scene. I love the gore factor there. It's pretty fucking crazy. Um, and they're like, this is for you, Michael. And he bites into the, um, the heart. And right behind him is a big old shadow of the devil behind yeah. him. Which is such a fucking cool scene, in my opinion. I really liked that. Um... So Vivian's like, okay, yeah, I should probably kill him. <laughs> so, um, which sucks, because that's essentially her kid. So she's like, oh, I'm probably going to kill my kid now. And um, so she goes to kill him, but and he's apparently sleeping, but he actually knows. And he goes to destroy her soul, but Tate saves her. Yep. And then they never saw Michael again after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was very, very, like, obviously dark, but just... So much happened in that one episode, uh, just because they wanted to touch on so many things. Yeah, I really liked it. So good. Um, and then even at the end, Madison again shows a little bit of compassion, because she hears Violet crying. So she tells Behold she'll be right there when they're leaving. And um, 
she like kind of fixes things with Violet and Tate, which I thought was sweet. Yeah, she. So shows... it's like almost everyone starts to get a happy ending. Yeah, she says <laughs> that Tate saved her mom. So yeah, yeah, that was very very good. Yeah. So then episode seven, um, like shows a lot of Dinah Steving. Stevings. Stevings. <laughs> it shows a lot of Dinah Stevens, which is Adina Porter, and I like her. Um, I don't like this character though. Like Adina is great. But the character is an asshole. Like, she's such a fucking, yeah. like, betrayal, like, greed-ridden bitch. Absolutely. So I'm just like, damn. Um, but she plays it well. And um, so, yeah, like, I think the episode starts with her, like, ripping out this bitch's heart, right? Yep. She um, is doing work for some lady who was cheated on. And she um, kills the wo- the woman, the other woman. And then takes her heart and I guess the husband's toenails and then a bunch of other stuff and mixes it all up and makes him drink it. So, oh no, it would have been her toenails, I think. No, I think it was his. Maybe. I don't actually know whose toenails, but it's I'm gonna disgusting. Say, I'm going to say it's hers based on the fact that it the concoction was made to have uh, the husband only get aroused by his wife now. Oh um, yeah, that's, yeah. So, because she does say, I need something of yours. Um, yeah, so they make a heart and toenail smoothie. Yep. And they force him to drink it. And then she does a voodoo spell. And when she leaves the, the lady's house, Cordelia is there. And Dinah's like, you're the reason Marie Laveau's dead. And Cordelia's like, no. But she's like, I do want to meet with Papa Legba. But Dinah's like, okay, well, give me $100,000. Yeah, so like, she does. Yep. So that's like in the beginning and then the like the theme song comes on and then the episode goes into a Christmas to Dismember starring Bubbles McGee. Uh, and you're just like, what? What? What's happening? What what came on just now? Did, did something else start? Is yeah. the show over? Like, I was so confused. When we first watched it, I was just like, what is happening? Like, it's actually really funny. And it reminds me of, like, a Fear Not type of movie or something. So, yeah. like, I definitely appreciated that kind of thing. Or, like, an episode of uh, Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. Like, it definitely has that, like, Where they have old the killer school. Santa. Yeah. Um, which they do in Asylum, too. Yep. So if you wanted to go that In McShane plays that so good. Um, uh, anyway. But at Madison, like, so they're, apparently they're on set and this Bubbles McGee woman... Um, is a witch and an actress, but she hasn't really talked to the coven in a while. And Madison approaches her on set and she's like, the coven needs you. Like, they're summoning you. We need your help. So then Myrtle and Bubbles reminisce and they all start talking about how um, Ariel and Michael are probably evil and all this stuff. And um, Zoe tries to convince people that Mallory is the next Supreme. Yeah, um, Zoe is there when Mallory saves Coco from choking to death. Yeah. But but instead of, like, doing a weird spell to extract the food, it's like a snowball, she slices, like, slits her throat, like a surgical uh, incision, pulls it out by hand, and then just waves her hand, and it's suddenly fixed. And, it's crazy. Uh, and she's like, there's not a spell that does that. That was not a thing that people can do. Yeah. Or witches, I should say. She's so powerful. So, that was the big thing that really tipped off. So, I was like, thank you, Zoe. Because, I I mean, even Myrtle saw that. Like, Mallory's been proving it. It's just Cordelia was blind. Yep. Which is ironic, because she was actually blind in season three. 
For a little bit. Yep. Um, so, they, you know, that's that part of the storyline, really. Um, going back to the Bubbles thing, it's a little out of order, but that's okay. Uh, the Bubbles and Myrtle, that duo has great chemistry, and uh, we go, they go to the, the boys' school to have dinner with Ariel and Penny Packer. Baldwin. So, Bubbles' power is mind-reading, so they're having dinner, and she is getting these messages from their heads, saying how, you know, they killed John Henry Moore, and that they're going to kill all the witches in the coven, and they can't wait to do it, and they're really excited to kill every one of them. So, they figure out their plan, and they are able to find John Henry Moore and bring him back. Well, Mallory does that in the Seven Wonders test. Yeah, that's the final thing. Yeah, uh, that's towards the end of the episode. Yeah, well, that's um, well, that's how he's brought back though. Yeah, they have to bring him back, and Mallory does it, doing that test. Um, the reason why she has to go through all that is because when Cordelia goes to Papa Legba to try to negotiate him stopping Michael, Papa Legba's like, "Okay, you know, I'll do that for you, but I've really enjoyed having Nan with me." And I'd like more. So if you're going to have me do this for you, I want the rest of the girls. And, and she's Cordelia's like, like no, yeah, absolutely no. not. And Dinah Stevens is like, yeah, you should totally do it. It's fine. Do it. Get rid of them. Because she doesn't like them anyway. But Cordelia refuses Papa Legba. And which, that scene, the actor who plays him is yeah. so good. Yeah. So I just really enjoyed that part. Um, but Nan and if you, loves it. I don't know if I brought it up in Coven, but there's definitely things that are based on true. Like, Marie Laveau is based on a real person. Papa yeah. Legba is based on, like, true things. So, it's not obviously, like, done perfectly in this because it's a fantasy show. But if you want to know more about that stuff, definitely, like, look it up. Because there's so much information out there. Yeah, but absolutely. I wanted to bring that up on the Coven episode, and I don't remember if I did. I think I mentioned how there's other iterations of that character because it is... Yeah, because there were people who were mad who in are, Coven. Like, they yeah. thought that Coven didn't do a good job of showing the um, the way that voodoo tribes are. So, and I mean, like, I personally don't know how they are. So, yeah. I didn't really see anything wrong with it. But, I mean... They probably did a butcher a couple things, you know. It's not going to be perfect, unfortunately. The butcher. But Sorry. You're funny. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say that anything's accurate when it comes to yeah. stuff that doesn't have a very well-recorded history. Yeah, exactly. So, but at the end of the episode, after they resurrect John Henry, they go and capture Ariel, Baldwin, and Mead, and they burn them at the stake. So, the next episode begins with Michael finding Mead's charred remains, and he just basically he's devastated. He has a breakdown. Yeah. So he's like, "I'm giving up until until my father, Satan, who is the devil in hell, tells me exactly what to do. I'm not doing anything." Yeah. So he goes and hides in the woods for multiple days. And then he has these weird visions that include little kids offering him Fanta, and I'm just like, "What?" And they seem like they were out of the 80s, so... I don't remember that. It it happens so quick. Uh, but then a goat kind of appears in front of him, and he 
rips off the goat's horns because he's like, Father? Rips off the horns and snakes oh come out. Oh my god, I'm glad I missed that one. Yeah. I saw it the first time, but I didn't get to rewatch that one. Yeah. So, it was just so crazy to watch because the snakes start coming out of the horns and it looks more like he's hallucinating, but... This may have actually happened to him in the episode. It's like, I, br- I briefly remember this stuff, but I'm kind of glad I didn't rewatch that. Yeah. That would have been really fucked up. So, after he doesn't really get any more answers, he just finally wanders back into town. He finds the Church of Satan, which is the, I'm going to say pastor, because I don't know if there's a better word for the Church of Satan's leader, uh, who is Sandra Bernhard, which... Is fantastic. Yeah, she's a fucking delight. Um, she's also in Pose, so I'm yeah. really glad that... She plays a doctor? Yeah. At some variety? Mm-hmm. She's wonderful. I've seen parts of episodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's leading the church, and she's just telling all the people there, she's like, you have to sin better. We're trying to make way for the Dark Lord, and all you're doing is stealing money out of the register. Like, that's nothing. <laughs> Like, one guy's like, I slept with my wife's sister. And she's like, I've seen facelifts that are more of a sin than that. That's funny, yeah. I was like, oh my god. So many good lines. So rude. Um, So then they cut back to the pews where Michael's sitting next to uh, this lady, Madeline, um, who passes the, the money basket. I don't remember what they're called. Tip jar. I never knew what they were called. It's just like... You can tell who's gone to ch- church here. Yeah, they they have names for them, and mm. I assume they're similarly named for the Church of Satan. I don't know what I was going to say. Church here. I almost church. Said I feel. <laughs> uh, he's like, I don't have any money. And she's like, or do you have any food? When was the last time you ate? And it had been a few days. So she takes him home, feeds him, and he reveals that, you know, she shouldn't be that excited about all this because... He's the one that they've been waiting for. And he shows his little birthmark thing. And she's like, oh, yes, you're the one. And they're all very excited about it. She takes she takes him to church the next time. Take me to church. They, she does. Um, and they are all just like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Or, oh, my Satan, this is amazing. <laughs> uh Thank you for that. Um, you can sleep my ugly laugh. Right? I don't think I'm going to. Oh, the duck laugh. So then they have a potluck because every Wednesday they have a potluck dinner. And they're just like, oh my God, try my food. Try my food. And they're all freaking out about that. And he's just like, go about your business. It's fine. Because he has no idea what to do next still. Um, so then Madeline introduces after like a couple like a little while of this she's like all right i'm gonna introduce you to a couple people who may be able to help you yeah because he's missing me yeah he feels lost without her absolutely she like kind of gave him direction no one else did yeah so then she introduces him to mutt and jeff oh mutt and jeff mutt mutt nutter and Jeff Fister. Yeah. I think I'm correct with those, right? You are. Mutt Nutter and Jeff Fister. Those are some fucking names. Like, the names are in this season. Whoever, I don't even know if it's Ryan Murphy. Whoever the fuck comes up with the names 
for the characters in every season. It's delightful, but these names in Apocalypse are so fucking out there, and I love them. Yeah. Like, I know Mutt and Jeff are, like, it's an old comic. Oh, I know, but just even, like, their last names. Like, it's just that, like, you can't say them without, I mean, if you're mature, then maybe, but I... I'm not. So I giggle when I say that. Nutter and Fister are so immature, it's wonderful. And they're business partners, so you gotta imagine that, like, they just say their last name sometimes, too, which is. It just sounds dirty, and it's really funny, and I'm a child, sorry. You're fine. Uh, so. It's revealed that they work at a robotics facility, and they're the ones that created the Mead robot, the Mead bot. And apparently, they're very big fans of the bowl cut. Yes. And, that hair. and it's also revealed that uh, Miss Venable worked as their, like, a sem- not quite secretary, because no, she was don't. so much more important than that. Uh, sh- sh- if she heard you say that right now, she'd kill you. It'd be more, she did it's, not like that. <laughs> it's, it's, she's one of the examples of people wanting to be called an administrative assistant yeah. more than anything. Yeah, because she did a lot for them. Yeah, she basically ran the show while they just snorted coke. I love that whole look of her, too. Like, the futuristic, like, I don't know, her whole style was really cool. Yeah, she wore the purple like the people in the outpost did, but her hair was super red and crazy. Yeah, it was like an orangey red, and it was really, oh my gosh, and then I think, what, in episode 9 is the scene with her, or no, is it episode 10, the scene with her and Myrtle? Uh, it and is... they both have that fiery hair, oh my god, I love it. Uh, I can't. I think it's episode 10. It's the first before the um, theme song comes on. And that's when that happens. Yes. Because Myrtle's got her sass with that line. And it's also good. So yeah. I'm getting ahead of you. Sorry. You're good. <laughs> I mean, we're, I'm basically done because the big reveal was that they had a lot of connections to people who sold their soul. So they were like, yeah, hell yeah, we'll do this for you because you're basically the reason why we're this rich. You and your dad. Yep. Doing it up. So... You can go ahead and go. Now you have a bunch of notes for episode nine. Yeah. So episode nine. Um, so obviously when it aired, I watched the season in order. But when we were rewatching it, me and Jared didn't get to rewatch all of it together because um, of our schedules. So I started rewatching the season starting at episode nine. And then I watched 10. And then I did one through seven because I didn't rewatch episode eight. I ran out of time. But... I really freaking liked watching episode 9 and 10 before. Like, it was a really cool way. Because I knew what was coming at that point. So I kind of was like, you know what? It would be kind of quirky to watch it in almost a different order that still makes sense. Yeah. Um. Obviously a little less surprised, but it was still really cool to watch it in that order. And I really liked it. Um. There's so much that happens happens in episode 9. Yeah, so it's action-packed. There's, like, Mallory's trying to bring a bird back in, like, the beginning kind of part of the episode. And... Um, now she's having problems. Like, there's almost, like, just, like, a stunt with her magic. And, um... Yeah, she's done too much in such little time. And she's just trying too hard because she keeps expecting herself to, like, you know, be that good at that point. So Myrtle and Cordelia are like, well, you know, like, you're trying too hard. And she's like, yeah, but I have to hurry. Like, we know about Michael and, like, we got to do something. Um, so Cordelia's like, well, no, there's an aura protection shield around, like, the school. No one else can get in. And then Queenie and, um, Zoe are teaching the students a protection spell during the scene, too. And while they're doing that, um, Dinah Steven shows up and she lifts the aura protection shield with her voodoo, like, magic spell, whatever she does. Uh, which is pretty cool to watch. And, um, 
Langdon and Mead enter and they kill everyone at the table. Like they kill Queenie, um, Zoe, Bubbles. There's a whole bunch of people that are at the table that are new and students. The rest. Yeah. Um, and before they kill Queenie, she tries to kill Mead by slitting her throat, but all the milk comes out and then Queenie's killed. Um, so upstairs, murder, murder, murder. So upstairs, Myrtle, Cordelia, and Mallory are hearing the commotion and they're just like, oh fuck, we better stay safe up here. Um, Langdon goes up there and then they're gone. So he's pissed. And Mead's like, if you end the world, you can end the witches. So Michael says this one idea and Mead, who's being programmed by Mutt and Jeff. So like, they're pretty much like back at their lab watching. Yeah, and they're like, typing in what she's saying. Yeah. And she like his idea is like kind of familiar. And I think it's Mutt who's like, isn't that the plot of the Omen 3? So he types that and, and like, so Mead says it. Is that where you're getting your ideas? And Michael's like, well, it's not like there's a bunch of reference material on how to be the Antichrist. I laughed so hard at that because yeah. it's so like, it's so funny. And I feel like, a lot of things that portray the Antichrist, they don't really add a humor. So it was just kind of like super quirky. And I loved that they did that. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And again, like it's just Cody Fern being like a little naive at the same time as trying to be powerful. So it was just really like so funny. Um, he delivered that line well. Yeah. So then, yeah, they suggest, they through Mead suggest, how about just trying to, you know, go back to them because, you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff you could do. And... he's just like all right fine i'll go see those two yeah so they tell him about the cooperative which is essentially the illuminati and how it's the people that run everything in the world and since these people sold their souls to satan which is michael's dad michael is technically their leader so he can restart mankind because of that um and then there's this really long quote but because i keep quoting everything um oh and I think it's Jeff that said the omen thing too. Because that's Evan Peters' character, right? Yeah, it's Jeff. Yeah, okay. Jeff. So that was him. Um, so when they're talking about how he can restart mankind, <laughs> Jeff says, People suck. They are selfish and short-sighted. All everyone cares about is immediate gratification. And that's why everything happens. One shitty self-serving act at a time. You multiply one bad impulse by 7 billion people and you get global warming, mass extin- extinction, you definitely get genocide. And like he says that and it's so kind of it's like creepy because it's pretty fucking accurate about a lot of the people in the world, unfortunately. Yeah. Like there's a lot of shitty people. So like, of course, Michael being naive, he like feeds right into that. And he's just like, oh, man, this is a great idea. We should just end the world. It's If it ends the witches, I'll fucking do it. Yeah. Like so he's kind of excited at this point to have, again, somebody to kind of give him the direction. And he's so desperate to kill the witches that he's like, all right, sure, let's do that. Yeah, and one part about that quote I really thought was hilarious is after the instant gratification line, he snorts a bunch of coke. He does. <laughs> and then goes back into the, yeah. the, the quote that she oh, just said. Oh, man, yeah. So, like, I don't know. There's just, like, it's sad, but, it, like, a lot of it was a little, a lot of it was a little. Who yeah. am I, Lacey Chabay? Um, A lot of it was accurate, which is kind of sad, but. um, So, yeah, like, episode nine is the penultimate because there's uh 10 episodes in this season yep so it was just like a nice build of what's to come in the finale yeah um one of the big things that uh they start to get the idea of 
um, building the outposts, and they reveal all that plan, and Cordelia has to be talked out of uh, giving up her life in order for Mallory to take more power. So it's hinting at a lot of things that are going to happen, but, you know, it's always... The next last episode's usually always a pretty good one. Oh my god, yeah. So. So then episode 10, the finale. Okay, so... A lot of people were very mixed on this um, season. A lot of people loved it. A lot of people hated it. People are like, oh, there's so many potholes. Oh, there's too many questions. Like, things didn't get answered in the finale, blah, blah, blah. The biggest one for me was the fucking lists of the outposts. Because they, they take the time to, like, pan in on a couple of the outpost lists Yep. So if they knew that they were going to take the time to do that, why didn't they take the time to actually kind of make the list more accurate? Because one of my biggest issues is that it seems to be just like different first initials with like the same last names. And it's like multiple last names. So like if for like example, Dennis Stevens. So there would be D Stevens, which is accurately on Outpost 3 where she was. Mm-hmm. But... Then there's, like, a Stevens on Outpost 5, and there's a Stevens on Outpost 2 with different initials. So it's just, like, I mean, not everyone has to be related. They can have different last name or the same last name or whatever and not be related. But it was just, like, why couldn't you just put different names? Why couldn't you put more thought into it? And there wasn't an Andre Stevens. uh, Which is, yeah. Or a Stevens in Outpost 3. And no other name. Like, there was no Timothy or T, his last name. Yeah, Campbell. T. Yeah, Campbell. There's no, no that. Yeah, no Campbell. And then there's at least 20 extra people on the list that never are seen in the outpost. Because even if you include, like, the all the greys and stuff that we don't really get to know and, like, some of the other people that are, like, helper, administration, whatever, there's definitely, like, at least 20 people on the list that aren't accounted for. Absolutely. Like, there's not enough bodies in the outpost. So... It was, like, the lists were long, and then, like, they didn't really try with the names. Like, at least D. Stevens was there, and, like, <coughs> excuse me, they make, like, a comment about Scarlett Johansson and Jennifer Lawrence, and then you see, like, on that list, is there's, there's a J. Lawrence and an S. Johansson. So and it's a, just like, okay. Yeah, a C. Theron. Yeah. And they they start to discuss Outpost 3, because um, Michael wants the robot mead there. So... The opening, I think the opening scene is Myrtle, get, is, I think it's the opening, right? Yep. Where Myrtle comes in, down like the really cool futuristic hallway, and Venable's all bitchy like, you don't have an appointment, blah, blah, blah. And Myrtle's just like, oh, you want to be sassy with me? And she takes it up a notch, and it's just such a good scene. Um, And she goes so far as to tell Venable that purple is for royalty, which just made me like wonder if Venable took that into when she created the outpost because purple was royalty there. So that was just kind of neat. Um, a little circle, but I don't know if it actually was intentional, but it was still really neat. Um, sorry. It definitely seemed like it was intentional. Yeah. Um, and then, so then she puts like her under a spell so she can, or at least like snaps her fingers. So I guess it's a spell. Um, so she goes in to talk to Mutt and Jeff. And she's like, look, like, you need to accept the offer from the Vanderbilt family for four spots. So they, like, they have a little bit of banter back and forth. And then um, she's like, all right, I suppose I must get to the most unpleasant part of my visit. 
and I think it's Mutt, and he's like, what's that? And she's like, the part where I have to leave before killing you both. And it's so sassy, and it's so good. And then apparently, like, a whole bunch of fake journalists on the internet want to be like, oh, she killed them. Like, why would she give them something to do and then say that she was sad because she didn't get to kill them before leaving? Like, she didn't kill them. I don't understand how these people get this information. Like, are we watching the same show? It was very clear. <laughs> like, I don't... And it was such a good scene, so I'm like, how did you misinterpret that? Yeah, like, uh, the character Jeff, he just kind of, like, breathes a sigh of relief because... Yeah. He was essentially being held. Like, he couldn't move. Like, not as only... she was leaving, she let that go. Yeah, like, not only was there, like, one sign that they were still alive, there was multiple. I'm like, man, I just... These fake-ass journalists online, man. <laughs> they just write about the dumbest shit sometimes. Um, but, of course, I have to read this stuff because I'm curious what... You know, people. Yeah, are giving saying. giving more insight always um, is helpful. But so Mallory and Coco are then put under an identity spell to forget that they are witches, so they can kind of go incognito in the bunker. Yep. Because Cordelia's like, "Well, Michael's not going to notice if you're right under his nose." Um. So and then people again, real quick, <laughs> people were like, "Oh, well, how come?" Mallory had to be put in the outpost, but she couldn't be buried in the swamp mud like Cordelia Myrtle and Madison. But she had to be awake in order for her power to come to like full term. So I'm just like, I don't, people just pay attention. Like that that stuff is like obvious throughout. So I'm just like, damn. And also um, the way Cordelia was talking, she wasn't sure if they were going to survive. It was yeah. literally, once your power comes full, the spell will be broken and yeah. you'll remember yourself. Yep. And that way the coven can live on with you two. Yeah. As then we might not live to see you on the other side of this. So they wanted to essentially split up to give themselves the best chance of somebody surviving. Yeah, exactly. Because um, this happened in season three with Fiona. A couple times, a new Supreme was starting to rise, and she killed them. Yeah. So then she was able to stay as powerful as she was. So Mm -hmm. if Mallory was killed, Cordelia's power would have returned to her. They didn't go into all this detail. Yeah, but it's like, it's kind of obvious. Yeah. So, I don't know, but yeah. So they're put under the identity spell, and it's actually like, it's kind of sad, you know, because they know that they're saying goodbye to Cordelia and them for a while. And, um, yeah, because they never say, oh, we'll see you later. Or yeah, they don't know. They, like, they really don't know. And it's then, like, the Coco and Mallory um, say their goodbyes. And right before they're put under the spell, Cordelia's like, okay, so Coco, you have to be really mean to Mallory. Like, demean her. Because the more you do that, the more she suppresses her power. And we can't let Michael get an inkling. So it was pretty much Cordelia's like, we'll just act like Madison. So that's why Coco is like so fucking mean because she looks at Madison and she's like, okay, I have to do this. Cordelia says so. So that kind of explains that. But again, she's kind of already an annoying character, but whatever. Um, I love Leslie Grossman though. So yeah. Um, But so Coco and Mallory have gotten close. So they like kind of like say their goodbyes and like Coco's like, I don't want to be mean to you, but she sure fucking is. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so that was like a sweet little scene. Um, and then Madison pretty much, like, drops them off 
at the hairdresser. Yep. Like, she's their Uber driver, and she's dropping them off, and they have no no idea who she is. And it's Coco, and now Mally is her assistant. So it's pretty much, like, what you see in the beginning at that point. Yeah, like, the timeline kind of yeah, circles. Her first visit, her first visit to Mr. Gallant. So... Uh, as opposed to, like, her multiple... Yeah. Visiting. It was her first time. So Madison, before she leaves, sees Dinah Stevens on a bus... And she was like, what the fuck? And she finds out that Dinah Stevens sold her soul and she's the one who destroyed the coven. So Madison requests permission to burn her at the stake. And Myrtle's like, hell yeah, fuck her. <laughs> and Cordelia's like, no, we have to wait because that's going to let on to the plan. Um, there's so much in this last episode. Like, it's, I think it was really well done. Um, when Cordelia, Myrtle, and Madison come out from the fucking ground... When they, like, oh. each put, like, an arm through. And, like, Myrtle, of course, has her black gloves on. It was and, like, more so the zombie apocalypse again. but Yeah. Like, and they did, a, they did a better job than some seasons of The Walking Dead did with the, <laughs> the brief moments of zombie. Yeah. Um, some seasons. But I think it's gotten better. I don't know. I don't watch anymore. But um, it's just, I don't know. It's such a really, like, it's such a good scene because there's just, like, all the dust around them and, like, of course, Madison's just like, well, that sucked ass. And it's just, you know, it's pretty funny still. Yeah. You know, like, at this point, it's just like, oh, my God, what's happening? It's the finale. Um, but Mallory is coming to her power, so it awakens them. And I don't know. I just really like that scene. It's just such a powerful scene. So this is kind of like looping back to that one episode where they go in and revive Mallory, Coco, and Dinah. Yep. And then... Michael confronts them and he's like, I want you guys to kneel before me and like, I'm your savior. Like, hail me. Yeah. And, um, Dinah's like, oh, of course. <laughs> and then, so fucking Marie Laveau shows up. Angela Bassett. I'm so excited. I was really happy about that. Yeah, it was awesome. She comes out like the badass bitch that she is. And she was just like, they needed a powerful voodoo queen and that is not you. And, um... Then it flashbacks to Marie. She's torturing Delphine. And Nan appears, telling Marie that Papa Legba is tired of her. So then a Cordelia appears, and she's like, Marie, like, um, he's freed you from hell because I made a deal with him to trade you for Dinah. So Marie, then they, like, go back to present, and Marie kills Dinah. And she's like, out with the trash. Give Papa my regards. And it's just such a good scene. Yeah. It's very, very um, it's well very done. brief, but it's so fucking good. And like she's in it for a little bit longer, um, and then Cordelia blows up Mead, which was really cool. Yeah, that show was crazy. And there's like fucking milk everywhere. It's really gross. Uh, and then in a reference that you won't get, Mead starts singing Daisy, which is the song that Hal Nine Thousand starts singing in Two Thousand One: A Space Odyssey. Ah, the crazy robot who loses his mind. And they reference Hell 9000 earlier, Mutt and Jeff do. So it was kind of a. Well, you know, Ryan joke. Murphy and his homages and stuff too. Yeah. So, so yeah. When that's she awesome. started singing Daisy, I, I figured lost it was from shit. something. I honestly didn't know. It was know. so good. So then Michael's like, oh my God, he's pissed. Well, not oh my God. <laughs> but, um, but Madison shoots him. She shoots him up. Like, yeah. And then Myrtle takes a piece of his hair. And they're going to use it to send Mallory back in time to try to save the world. Um, so they go to send her back. And as they're running, fucking Brock appears, which you forget he's even there. I did, at least. And he stabs her. 
and Myrtle sets him on fire, which was fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. He falls to his death, and then that distracts Madison. And then, of course, Michael wakes up, and he blows her head up, which was so oh, insane. It looks so crazy. Um, Does he get rid of her soul? No. No, I didn't think he extinguished her. I couldn't remember, though. Um, So Cordelia is trying to save Mallory. Marie gets killed trying to protect them. He fucking takes her heart out and eats it. And then he snaps Coco's neck. And then Cordelia sacrifices herself um, because he's about to kill her. And she's like, I'm not giving you the satisfaction. And she, like, uses her magic, takes his knife, and just fucking offs herself. Yep. And, um, because she, like, Mallory's dying. So she's like, if I don't do this now, like, we, we're, we're giving everything up. Um, Mallory wakes up from that. And she goes back to 2015. And it's where Constance is confronting Michael after he had just killed the priest. And she's like, no more. I'm tired of it. She grabs him by the neck. She's like, you're not my grandchild. You're a stranger. And she kicks him out. And then he goes to kill her, but he doesn't. And he runs outside into the street. And then Mallory fucking runs him over with an SUV. Three times. And honestly, I teared up. Like, that was hard to watch because it's. I feel bad for Michael as a person. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, because he never asked for any of that. He was born no. into it. You know what I mean? And so it's just like, yeah. he's so naive. He wants to do the right thing, but he can't help the darkness in him. Like, so it's just like, and he's so innocent in that scene still. Like, because that's when he's like, right after he had grown into that body. Yeah. And he just looks up. He's like, can take me to the house so I can be with you forever. And like. And she, and uh, Constance just looks out. She's like fuck you and go just, to hell yeah. yeah go to hell just drops him back on the street and walks away yeah like he dies in the street and like that's what he wanted was to like be taken to the house and she's like no way like go to hell for sure like and it, it's just sad because to me he is like eight nine or ten in that scene he's not really what cody looks like you know or you know yeah. so it's like in in that aspect if you think of it how he was a little boy in that like it's even sadder because it's like again he couldn't really help all that um it's like tom hanks and big so it was really gutting like i don't know yeah but like of course i have sympathy for the fucking villain apparently so it's whatever but um and like that scene between like that last scene with him and jessica lang like it's That's just, so well done yeah and um then it goes into mallory and she's like kind of voiceovering and she's like nothing ever truly dies we are all made of energy an energy can be neither created or destroyed. It can only be transferred from one form to another. The trick is to be able to go back and pick a moment in time and let it play out from there. So she stayed in the 2015 timeline. Yep. And she goes to the Robichaux Academy and she's meeting Cordelia for the first time. But of course, Mallory knows knows everyone, but she's introducing herself as like, this is the first time. Yeah. Because she doesn't want to lead anything on or like let anyone know. Um. So she kind of just lets everyone enjoy life not knowing what could have been or what happened. And pretty much everyone's alive again, but sadly Myrtle was still dead because um, yeah, um, there was no need to bring her back. Yeah, so that really brought sucks. her back to give her counsel on yeah. visions she was having. Um, so that was like a little sad, but... Um, and then there's like when, she, when Mallory's meeting Queenie for the first time, she's like... Uh, Queenie's talking about her trip. 
And Mallory's like, do not stay at the ho- Hotel Cortez. Like, whatever you do, don't stay yeah, there. You yeah, don't, don't want to stay there. Yeah, don't stay in downtown. She's like, you're going to be bored. You want to be near the beach. And Queenie's just like, oh, thanks, girl. Okay, like... Um, yep. so like she's trying to help her in that sense. And then Nan appears, which is really cool. Cause it was, it's nice to see Nan. Um, and I guess she had grabbed Misty to return her from hell since Mallory defeated Michael. Yep. Uh, so that like was the, fucking cool. Yeah. And, uh, Cordelia was like, I don't understand why is this happening? And Nan's like, you're not supposed to understand. Yeah. Just say thank you. And she looks at Mallory with a very significant yeah. look of, I know what's happening. Yeah. I'm not going to tell anybody because so it's too much fun for me. Yeah. And then Nan's like, all right, got to go. And Cordelia's like, where are you going? And she was like, I got to go back to Papa. Like, and she like, she really enjoys her time with him, which is kind of a delight. Yeah. Um, so then Misty and Cordelia are reuniting and it just, it's really sweet. Um, so then that kind of ends. And then you see Emily, Emily and Timothy again. Yep. If you guys forgot about them, you're not the only ones. Yeah. Um, so they're the ones who were picked for the outpost based on their DNA. And which they acquired Timothy's DNA from when he did 23 and Me. Um, so anyway, it's like their first encounter. And they flirt. And then it jumps one year later. And she's having their baby. And then it jumps again to three years later. And they're returning from a date. So I think at this point it's 2024. Yes. Um, and the sky's red. There's like hundreds of crows flying above their house in a circle. And they're like, oh my gosh, the AC's off again. Because I guess it kept like going off because of their crazy baby. So they go inside to find their son. I think his name is Devin. And he just murdered his sitter. And it's so eerily like. Oh yeah, they have him in a rocking chair. Yeah. Just like the end of season one. That's how season eight ends, but with different characters having the Antichrist. Yeah. And then the final scene is Anton, Samantha, and Mead showing up at their door saying, we've been waiting for this. You may know me as the Black Pope. I don't think they do, but sure. And then that's how the season ends. They're like, we're here to help you. And yeah, that's how it ends. And like, so the first time we watched it, I was like, I'm just going to pretend that last little bit doesn't exist and everything ends well in the other, like, timelines and or whatever stories and yeah. stuff. Um, but I do like that they did that in a sense because not only do they actually kind of tie up Timothy and Emily even being in it, um, kind of. But yeah. they also, they show that no matter what, things could still happen. Like, the universe is written, you yeah. know, so it's always going to happen no matter what. Um, but my thing is, they made such a big deal about the Antichrist being a baby of a ghost and a human. So how did these two humans have the Antichrist baby? Like, yeah, was it something in their DNA that the devil knew about and sought out? Maybe. Like, yeah. that's the only explanation. Yeah, because there's no reference of them having Because it like, doesn't haunting. even... It doesn't even actually, like, make sense why their DNA was so important. So it has to be that. That's, yeah. like, the only, like, if this was a puzzle, that's the only piece that would kind of fit, I guess. <laughs> so, um, but overall, like, this is definitely one of my favorite seasons. A lot of people said it jumped around too much. A lot of people complained that it was, co- like, Coven 2. But it was supposed to be. Yeah, like that was kind of a thing. Like they said, it was going to be heavily based on Coven and Murder yeah. House. 
Yeah, the big thing I have about this season that I'm, I have a problem with is that most of it didn't happen. Yeah, that definitely... So, I think my biggest issue with that is, like, every happy ending at the murder house, I guess, yeah, the murder didn't house, happen. Um, the effect it has on the characters of uh, Hotel, because without the uh, Angela Bassett's character in Hotel feeding on Queenie. Oh, Ramona. Yeah, Ramona. She wouldn't have been healed of the vampire measles disease and therefore wouldn't be able to help get rid of the Countess and therefore... Yeah, like it reverses they a would, lot. Yeah, they wouldn't have... They may not have the happy ending for Liz Taylor and Kathy Bates' character. Iris. Iris. See? Thank you. That's You're welcome. Good. These are great names, so I remember them. Yep. So, um, like, that whole storyline means that that probably didn't work out that way. Yeah. Um, There's a lot. Like you said, the murder house. Like, all the, like you said, all those happy endings aren't a thing. Yeah. So, that's just like, I mean, at least we got that little taste of it, but. And uh, Tate wouldn't have saved Vivian because that was before he, uh, Michael started doing all the murdering uh, of the people at the murder house. Ironically enough. Well, he wouldn't have to save Vivian if Michael wasn't there. I'm just saying, him him saving Vivian is what got that her and Violet, or him and Violet back oh, together. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. So, so, I mean, all of that's unwrapped. Yeah, so. without that, it's just, they're, it's all sad. Yeah, so, like, I wonder, I mean, I've, there's speculation that season 10 may be, like, another, um version of like a connection of murder house and maybe coven yeah um, i don't know how accurate that is they might touch on it um but then he also said that like past season 10 he would like to do more with it too so i almost wonder if season 10 is gonna be something different and then they might if they get a season 11 and 12 out of it they might do more too yeah he might um but if it. they don't i mean i guess it just kind of leaves it up to our imagination what really happened yeah more or less all right um so so other favorite things. Obviously Cody Fern and Billy Porter are huge favorites of yours. And Billy Lord. And Billy Lord. And Billy Eichner. The Billies. It's the Billy Awards with the Billy Billy and Billy. The Billies and the Cody. And Cody. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean even Jessica Lang, like yeah. the whole fucking cast. People that I'd come back from other I mean, even uh name Naomi. Naomi Grossman. Yeah, like just to see her as a different character besides Pepper, like it was just really nice. Like, fan favorites and, <clears throat> like, new additions and I don't know. Yeah. It was definitely a everyone, lot of good stuff. I think everyone had, like, pretty good chemistry. Like, everyone worked well together. Yeah. And they all brought something unique to their character. So, yeah. I really do love this season. Plot yeah. holes and all. Yeah. Uh, did you have any other notes? I don't think so. Okay. Uh, I think that'll take us to the end of this episode, then. Um... Thank you for listening. Uh, this was a bit longer of an episode because... I had a gosh about it. Sorry, guys. A lot happens, and a lot of good stuff happens, so it's okay. Um, oh, well, so earlier I mentioned how I read, like, interviews with Cody Fern about the season. Because okay. this is his first season. Yep. So, um, and, like, he had been in a couple other things. Um, actually, one of Ryan Murphy's other projects. Um, but... Like, this was crazy to work with so many different people. Like, so many different type of actors and actresses. 
Um, and there's a quote of him saying that Ryan had pitched me a character with long Dorian-esque hair that had a lot of power, but also a significant amount of vulnerability. I didn't know I was playing Michael Langdon until a week before we started filming. Like, that's crazy. Like, you briefly know. So, like, I mean, I feel like as he was acting, too, like, the scenes and stuff, like, he probably got more into the character. But just, like, to know a week ahead, like, to prepare for that. Yeah. And so much intensity. Yeah, he probably was just trying to figure out how he was going to play somebody who's four years old. Or, like... Yeah. Not very old at all at this point. And so, um, in one of the interviews, he was asked, what makes you say a character who is the Antichrist is not evil? Because in a bunch of interviews, he says that he doesn't look at Michael Langdon as evil. And I think I mentioned this early on. Um, So, he had said... I think one thing with Langdon that you come to recognize and a choice that I really wanted to center Langdon on is that Langdon doesn't think about destruction. He thinks about creation where everybody else thinks he thinks about burning the world down. He knows that he's burning the world down because from that something new will bloom and the world has come to a place where there is so much hatred and war. There is so much crime. Everyone is betraying everybody. There is greed. There is jealousy. There is rage. And he is, of course, the son of the devil who is absorbing all of this and thinks that there is a new way. The world so far under God's image is clearly not working out. And if this is God's image, this is how Langdon sees it. Then he just pushes that and takes people further down that path. And I just thought that was like such an interesting take. And I think that it really shows in his character that that's kind of the way he acted it. Yeah. Um, Because he's not really like he does destroy things. And I like he definitely does want to ruin things. But I do see that in, like, the character definitely just, like, he wants to make a new world. He doesn't really want to ruin everything forever. He just wants to kind of start over. Um, And I think he did a really beautiful job with that. So I just wanted to add that in there, too. Because, like, his interviews are just really interesting. If you guys are into reading interviews um, about this season specifically, like, they're really good. So check them out. Yeah. And then other things you can check out are... Our Instagram, and our Facebook, and our Twitter, and our YouTube, and our Twitch, and just also our iTunes page, where you can find our other podcast. Did you see? Is the name of it. Um, and make sure, if you did find us on iTunes, or Apple Music, or whatever they call it, uh, leave us a review, because that it would be immensely helpful, because then we'd actually show up in searches. Um... If you can share and subscribe to wherever you found this and just you know, give us a hand with that, we would greatly appreciate getting the word out. Um, if you're hearing this before December like 16th, 17th, try to send in your rankings. We have quite a few, but more would not hurt because then we can get an even more accurate depiction of what the people that we talk to think about this this series um so send us your rankings of the seasons and we will figure out what you all think thank you all so much for listening and everyone be safe out there